0: Welcome to Stop Christian Nationalism. This is a podcast that is intended to confront Christian nationalism, to inform people about what Christian nationalists are up to, what their agenda is, where they're going, because this is a serious threat to the United States of America, as we know it, the United States of America as a democracy. Christian nationalists are seeking the end of American democracy. They want to upend what was achieved in the late 1700s and moving forward into the 1800s, the expansion of liberty, of freedom in the United States of America, which was not perfect after the revolution of 1776 with slavery, with um, Terrible abuses against Native Americans with women not having the right to vote. But we've moved forward to expand liberty in the United States of America. And we've done that largely in resistance to traditional Christian values as found in the Bible, as promoted in Christian churches. The doctrine of the expansion of Japheth and the curse of Ham, for example, is a traditional doctrine that has been central to Christianity for centuries and has been used as an excuse to attack Jews and to deny people of African descent equal rights. And we see that happening in the United States today. That is what was behind the doctrine of slavery that was able to go through the revolution of 1776, even though it was supposed to be about liberty and equality um, and, and keep the slavery issue alive for decades. That was something that was based in Christian churches and keeping women from having equality. Uh, Keeping them away from the vote, keeping them from having equal rights, that's something that's been based solidly in American Christianity. Knowing that not all American Christians were pro-slavery or against women's rights, of course there is diversity within Christianity. But in both cases, the majority of Christian political weight was against liberty, against the expansion of freedom. In the United States. And with the revolution of 1776 itself, we have to remember that the side of the British Empire was pro Christian nationalist, it was all about having one ruler who was ordained by God, the divine right of kings. That was the ideology behind the British Empire, and that was the ideology that the American revolutionaries were fighting against. That's why we have separation of church and state. That's why we have a prohibition against religious tests for any public office in the United States. That's in the Constitution for a reason. But here we are, not in 1776, not in 1860, with the Civil War, and we're fighting our own struggles. One of the most disturbing things that's happening right now is that there is resurgent sexism, dramatic, coming from Christian churches, uh, telling women that they need to become more traditional, the transformed wife movement, saying that women must absolutely submit to their husbands, or if they're girls, uh, to their fathers. And we have resurgent anti-Semitism. Which is crazy, because um, any rational person can look out there and say, what what is the problem that can be traced back to Jewish people? I mean, there's nothing they aren't causing any kind of big problems. But we have um, national leaders and celebrities and Christian preachers promoting the idea that Jewish people are somehow engaged in a demonic conspiracy against the United States, against freedom. It's really crazy, um, and it's frightening because it's linked back to Nazi ideology. And Nazi Germany is a great reminder that this stuff really can get out of hand really fast. This Christian ideology of hatred of Jews goes back to the New Testament. You can't say that this has no Christian foundations. In multiple places in the New Testament, there are passages that encourage Christians to engage in hatred of Jews, persecution of Jews who refuse to convert to Christianity, calling them a synagogue of Satan. That's a phrase that's used by Jesus himself in the Bible. So you can't say that this stuff is out of touch with Christian tradition. It's a part of it, but it is dangerous. It is violent. It is bigoted. And it is growing in the United States of America. And something happened this last week that really drew attention to um, how much this radical Nazi ideology is gaining a foothold. In the United States, which is that Donald Trump, who is the former president um, from not too long ago, just two years ago, and um, is now a presidential candidate again for the 2024 uh, campaign. He met with Kanye West, who has said that he's doing going death con three on Jews, which is a, a term that means he's going nuclear. Um, it's a way to talk about violence, about killing, an intention to uh, engage in the most aggressive, violent approach against Jews possible. Why? Uh, This is a great question. Why would somebody do that? But it wasn't just Kanye West. It was also Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes is not just a white supremacist. He's not just anti-Semitic. These are the couple of phrases that you've heard talked about in the mainstream press. He is a Christian nationalist and an anti-Semite, and he is against women's rights. He's against democracy. He hates democracy. All of these things come together in Christian nationalism, which is what makes it so dangerous. And Nick Fuentes is one of those people who expresses that most plainly. He uh, believes that Jews are intolerable and must not be allowed to have any kind of power at all. They must be excluded from political power. Uh, He wants to force not just people in the United States, to um, convert to Christianity, but he then wants to use the United States as a power base to force people all around the world to have Christianity as their religion, ending other religions. And he says this ex- explicitly. He wants to end women's rights to be at all involved in politics he wants to create a dictatorship in what is now the United States, ending democracy. And this is not uh, an interpretation of what he says, it is explicitly what he says. And Nick Fuentes, along with Kanye West, had a special dinner with Donald Trump where they talked at length about these ideas. And Donald Trump said that Nick Fuentes seemed to really have a great idea of what the the Trump political movement is all about. Donald Trump has come out afterwards and said that um, the meeting with Nick Fuentes was just an accident and he had no idea what was going on. Um, And that's really not plausible for a politician at his level who has an active presidential campaign to accidentally meet with somebody who is actually an American Nazi. This is not possible because a presidential candidate has aides, has a whole structure around him, as he does in his business. Donald Trump has assistants who find out who's coming to dinner. Who are you meeting with? Who are these people? They do background uh, research. Uh, There's not an ability for anyone to just walk off the street and meet with Donald Trump. I couldn't accomplish that if I wanted to. So Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. Uh, One of Donald Trump's sons met with uh, the former Grand Wizard Arch Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, David Duke. And Donald Trump's campaign at the same time uh, at, at at that time said the same thing. They had the same excuse. They had no idea who David Duke was before the campaign met with him. But of course, everybody in politics knows who David Duke is. They know that he's with the KKK. So this is no longer a plausible excuse. So this is the situation that we're in. Donald Trump, former president of the United States, trying to become president again, is meeting with a Nazi. And Donald Trump has himself promoted Nazi ideology. And he's meeting with Kanye West at the same time, who also has promoted Nazi ideology, has been reported to say that he admires Adolf Hitler. This is no longer really something that's ambiguous. There is a significant portion of the American population that has embraced Nazi ideology. The same ideology of hate founded on Christianity that the United States had to literally fight against during World War II. Huge numbers of Americans died. People all around the world died in order to stop Adolf Hitler. And now there are people like Donald Trump who are working to do what they can to advance the ideas, the agenda of Adolf Hitler. So here's the question. What do we do about that? And I've been thinking about this a lot because there's something really alarming about this in particular, which is that Nick Fuentes is 22 years old and he's managed to get himself into a position where he is meeting with a major presidential candidate, perhaps the front runner for the Republican nomination, a former president of the United States. Having a private dinner where they get to talk at length about policies, about ideas. How does a 22 year old do that? And here's the really uncomfortable answer. Nick Fuentes has gotten where he's gotten today by outraging people. He outrages me. I am outraged at what Nick Fuentes is doing. I am outraged that Nick Fuentes is using the disturbing language of Nazi ideology to provoke people and to get attention for himself. So... The, the, the trick here is that that's working at two levels. First of all, um, it's just awful that he is getting lots of support. And uh, Nick Fuentes has lots of followers, a, a really large following among the American people. Because there are many American Christians who want to force their religion on other people and are tired of being restrained from doing that by the law, because the American system of law says that the government cannot be used to force other people to follow any religion, and that it is against the law for anyone to force another person to join a church, to worship a particular god, to follow any religious tradition in particular, or to become religious. In the United States of America, we have the constitutional right not to believe in a religion, not to practice a religion if we don't want to. But there are a huge number of Christians who just are sick and tired of that, like U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert, who says that she's sick and tired of the separation of church and state and thinks that um, the job of the government is to comply with the orders of Christian churches. She wants to undo the Constitution of the United States of America. So that's disturbing. But the other thing is that Nick Fuentes, I believe he knows that he can get attention by being outrageous, by being extreme. And his memetic strategy appears to be to get his name out there as the person who is willing to be the most extreme, the most outrageous of all the Christians. And he knows that simultaneously he can get support from Christian extremists who are unfortunately large in number. 79% of American Christians in one survey supported many aspects of Christian nationalist ideology. Christian nationalism is not in the margins of American Christianity. It's at the center of it. But then Nick Fuentes is also using his ability to outrage secular liberals. Remembering that non-Christians are 40% of the American population right now. He outrages us. And he uses that outrage to get attention for himself. And that is how he's gotten in the position he is in now, meeting with Donald Trump. So how are we supposed to respond to that? One tactic would be to stop talking about Nick Fuentes. Um, But the problem with that is that by doing so, we pretend that what he's doing is not happening at all and that it's not a problem, but it is happening and it is a problem. The other uh, tactic is to say, well, we should talk about Nick Fuentes more, but in doing so, we place him at the middle of the American political scene, which is exactly where he wants to be. What is the answer to this conundrum? I don't know. I have a few thoughts right now about that, about how we can engage with that. And one is to take a look not at the people who are at the center, not people who are Nick Fuentes, but other preachers who are having a similar message. Because there are quite a number of extremist, hateful Nazi Christian preachers out there. And some of them are putting their messages online. And maybe we don't need to cite Nick Fuentes in particular. But the other thing is, I think that we have to identify what Nick Fuentes is doing and take it seriously. And I'm thinking about Donald Trump back in 2016, where it seemed like his campaign was a joke and he was saying such outrageous things that surely the Republicans were going to put a stop to that. They were going to present a more reasonable candidate who was somewhere close to the center. And that candidate was going to put a stop to all all of this outrage. Um, bring the Republicans back into a reasonable position away from the fascism, the racism, the hatred, the violence of Donald Trump and his political base. But that's not what happened. And there are people who are acting as if that same thing that didn't happen in 2016 is going to happen now. They're saying, well, Trump surely is written off for 2014, or 2024, excuse me, because you know no, no uh, presidential candidate can do what he's done, can support Nazi ideology, and gain the support of the Republican base. Well, um, Donald Trump has learned that um, he can do exactly that. Now, there's more at work with Donald Trump in particular, which is that he is on the verge of being indicted for rather dramatic crimes, um, federal crimes, violating the Federal Espionage Act um, with extremely sensitive information beyond top secret stuff about nuclear weapons secrets keeping that to himself and maybe seeking to trade that uh, with people who should not have information about nuclear weapons. And there's also his corrupt business dealings and his sexual assault and his attempt to overthrow the legitimate democratic results of the 2020 presidential election. So there's a lot that um, Donald Trump may be disqualified for, and his campaign for president may, in fact, just be an attempt to put that off. Who can really say what's going on in the mind of Donald Trump? But Christian nationalism is not just about Donald Trump. Let's look at Ron DeSantis, who is the guy who is supposed to step up and take the place of Donald Trump in the 2024 Republican race uh, for president. If Donald Trump falls down, it's going to be Ron DeSantis, people are saying. But Ron DeSantis has talked about using the power of government to force Christianity on American children in public schools, replacing a factual, secular, professional, educational curriculum in public schools with Christian indoctrination set up by Christian extremists. He's talked about um, critical race theory, conspiracy theories. Ron DeSantis is against confronting racism. He's against equal rights for LGBTQ Americans. And he's against these because he says that's not in line with Christianity. So Ron DeSantis talks about, in his speeches, having American voters put on the armor of God and elect Christian nationalist leaders who will then force Christianity on everybody else. Ron DeSantis is yet another Christian nationalist. He's not more moderate than Donald Trump. He's engaged in the same stuff. So, one way or the other, it looks like Christian nationalism is on the ballot again in the election of 2024, which is less than two years from now. What do we do about that now? How do we confront the conundrum of Nick Fuentes and other Christian nationalists gaining attention through their radicalism? How do we talk about that radicalism, that extremism, without simply making Christian nationalists better known? I'm going to tell you that I don't have a complete and thorough answer for that. And that is part of the honest approach that I think that we need to have in a political response to Christian nationalism, because Christian nationalists believe that they know everything. They believe that they have a clear answer for what is right and what is wrong, and it is black and white, and it is all based on the Bible, and it is all based on what their preachers preach in church, and that everything is that simple. An intelligent response to that has to be complex, has to admit that there's a lot that we don't know. And that's part of the difficulty that we face in confronting Christian nationalism. If we confront Christian nationalism with an overblown ideological response that says there is black and white and things are simple and Christian nationalism is evil and we are righteous, well, then we're just doing the same sort of thing that the Christian nationalists do in being simplistic And not paying attention to the subtleties and the facts of actual culture and politics and, you know, potential for reasonable government programs in the United States. You know, because government in the United States is of the people, by the people, for the people. If you say you're anti-government, you're against the will of the people. Now, you can be against what a particular government is doing because you think it's not got the best policies. But to say that you're against government is saying that you are against what the American people want to do or saying that, what do you do? I mean, if you don't have government, who has the power? There are two main alternatives, which are huge corporate businesses that are multinational and accountable to practically nobody. And there are churches, big churches, mega churches that are not taxed, that are not regulated, that are able to use the privileges that they have under the First Amendment to skirt the law and to engage in shocking abuses. And those churches have begun to act like political campaign machines. Government by the people for the people. Democracy is the alternative to those two things. It's not perfect. It can be corrupted. But at least there is the chance that if we all work together, we can make it better. How to make it better? How can we engage with each other? To have a more subtle And yet, powerful response. Accurate, reasonable, and yet powerful. How can we do that? I don't know. And so, here's what I'm doing with the Stop Christian Nationalism podcast I'm going to end the first season and put it on pause for right now. And I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about this issue because. I don't think that we ought to simply have a a quick, easy response to these difficult problems. I think that um, the ability to stand back and think and reflect is really, really important. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be things going on with Christian nationalists. There's going to be. So there's also going to have to be a second season of Stop Christian Nationalism. And I can foresee that happening within, oh, the next six months, say, as we're going through the spring of 2023, moving toward the summer, and we have more presidential candidates, more congressional candidates stepping forward to declare themselves, and we're seeing exactly what's happening with Christian nationalism in the political sphere. We have to come up with tactics and strategies that are effective and truthful. We have to be able to talk about Christian nationalism without just giving it a platform, without inadvertently promoting it, without giving attention to the worst of the worst of the Christian nationalists. And I don't know how to do that. And, you know, it may end up being in the end that the response is that we cannot have a perfect response. Christians believe that they have a perfect solution to everything, that their God is perfect, that their Christian Bible, their text is perfect, and that their churches are divinely ordained and that their politicians are divinely ordained and thus are perfect and beyond question. I think that a reasonable, authentic response to Christian nationalism has to acknowledge that it can't be perfect, and maybe there is no perfect response that we can have. I do feel fairly confident about this, though, that to have no response to Christian nationalism is not the answer. To stand back and pretend that it doesn't exist, that everything is fine within Christianity, that there isn't A cultural toxin coming in that's attempting to end American democracy this kind of pretense is not really helpful and that that's not the way that you oppose them. Could you oppose Adolf Hitler and the Nazis in Germany back in the 1920s and 30s by simply pretending that they did not exist were not dangerous? Of course that wouldn't work. So You're going to see the Stop Christian Nationalism podcast take a bit of a hiatus. This is the last podcast of the first season, and it's uncertain. It doesn't know where we stand. It's not offering you an easy answer. So between now and the beginning of the second season of this podcast, which will come up sometime next year. I want to encourage you to hold that kind of uncomfortable, skeptical, open-minded, questioning position for as long as you can. Take a look at what religion is doing in the public sphere, what Christianity is doing as it promotes certain politicians while trying to oppose others. Pay attention to this. Think about it. Ask questions. Cultivate your doubt. And maybe restrain yourself from coming to an immediate answer about it. But above all else, pay attention. I will be doing the same during this time. And I imagine that when the second season comes back, we will have an awful lot to talk about.